It's no accident that as our constitution is now being trampled underfoot by the gods of government against the people, our precious bill of rights that is so vital to a free republic is also suffering a similar fate. It's quite obvious that Americans really do not understand why the Bill of Rights is so important to sustaining our individual freedoms and rights. And if we don't understand something, then how in the world can we possibly defend it? If we don't maintain as sacred these human rights, then we have no guarantee at all that our Constitution will prevail against the present communist and globalist assaults that threaten its very existence. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise. I'm Dr. Steve LaTulip, and what I'd like to begin today is a series called Writing and Fighting a Barrage of Wrongs Against the Bill of Rights. What I'd first like to do is discuss how we actually got the Bill of Rights and then in addition to this, explain the significance of each of those articles in the Bill of Rights by summarizing it and then explain its importance and then discuss how it is actually now being attacked in no small way. Because only then can we perhaps suggest how we might actually counter the attacks and win back our freedom. I mean, actually do it. So with that in mind, I would like to actually open with a little history of the Bill of Rights. It's important to understand that from the very beginning of this country, as soon as the colonists won their independence, there arose among this group of colonists two actual parties, two different mindsets, and they were called the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. And the ratification of the Constitution didn't just happen overnight because these two groups were at odds with one another. And it actually took several years and a great deal of heated debate and discussions and written articles. And it seemed at times like an insurmountable task that the Constitution would even be ratified. This was not at all a simple task. And the greatest concern was whether or not the American colonists could maintain the freedom that they just recently declared to be theirs. The fact that the Constitution was ever ratified actually attests not so much to the power of the people, but it was a testimony to the power of the people's willingness to actually submit to the power of God. And in this is a great lesson for every one of us as Americans. We are told in Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, if you go in and you read the preceding verses, put it in context, what are these things? Well, these things are all the things that we worry about in life. If you read starting in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 
34, you find that the, these things are the concerns about food and clothing and shelter and being able to provide for ourselves, being able to make choices and live so that we are comfortable and actually happy and content. Matthew 6.22 clearly states, do not worry about your life. Now, isn't that some incredibly good advice for this present day where almost everybody seems to be living in an absolute state of panic. Everybody seems to be afraid. And that is exactly what is leading to the destruction of any and all freedom that we might have had, whether it be in this country or abroad. We need to understand that the more that we submit to God in directing our lives, the less we actually worry and the greater our joy will be. But we have to admit that the founding fathers were worried, or at least they were concerned. They were concerned about having the ability to actually pursue God because life and liberty and pursuit of happiness actually derive directly from pursuing a godly course in life. And there's no getting away from that. Folks, that is our history. That is the history of America. We must absolutely identify a fact, and that is that God's righteousness was the absolute basis for the Bill of Rights. Apart from Christianity, we would have no Bill of Rights. God's righteousness also gave us the Constitution. And therefore, without the Bible as our standard and without Christianity, we would have no such constitution as we know it now. The reason why these, these great, great articles are being challenged today as never before is because as a nation, America has abandoned God. And this is an undeniable fact, but it's one that we must not ignore if America is to survive. Fortunately, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists actually both acknowledged the Bible as being authoritative in the affairs of men on earth. And that is actually the only thing and the only way that they were able to come together in a final agreement to ratify the Constitution. And I'd like to take a closer look now as to how that actually came about. How did it happen? When America became an independent nation after signing the Declaration of Independence, it was almost overnight that the colonists realized that what happened to Great Britain to England could also happen again. And so they became very focused on safeguarding their own freedom. They wanted to avoid the errors of England's oppressive government. And they became passionate about being sure that they could sustain this liberty. The Constitution, when it was hammered out and finally written in its complete form, it was designed to protect the interests of the individual while also 
protecting the individual from a tyranny of the masses should the masses become unreasonable. And that's exactly how they came up with the system of checks and balances between three government branches. And through this process, there was an actual great tension that developed between those who feared big government versus those who feared more a rebellion by the people resulting in the overthrow of the government. Now, that was the very thing that the colonists just did to their motherland. And so it was a legitimate concern because they absolutely proved it could be done. But in their minds, they justified it. So it created a great amount of tension between these two groups. Those fearing a big centralized federal government were called the anti-federalists. And those who were afraid of the individual becoming too powerful and overtaking the federal government were called the federalists. Both sides wrote a good number of articles contending for their own viewpoints. And these so-called papers were very high impact as far as trying to persuade people. But it was a wonderful thing that they could actually debate and argue and write their points of view without any fear of censorship. Both were adamant. Both were absolutely dug in to support their points of view. But do you know that when they actually heard the other person's side of the coin, they actually took it into consideration and thought, hmm, would this be good or would this not be good? You see, each wanted to defend liberty. And in a sense, both of their fears were legitimate. It's something that should apply to us in this very day. If you do not hear all sides of an issue, how can you rightly make a, a correct judgment or decision on a path forward? You simply cannot do it. And as soon as one person's opinion rules over another to the point that an opinion is completely suppressed, that is censorship. And that was one of the greatest fears that the anti-federalists had. And so they were most set on establishing some rules that would guarantee that the rights of every individual would be respected and honored and would never be threatened again to be removed from them. Anti-federalists were very concerned about excessive power of a national government. They feared that it would be too powerful possibly oppressive because the Constitution did not contain any words whatsoever that guaranteed certain individual rights or call them, if you will, civil liberties. And so they formed an actual sort of an ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, but they were properly motivated. Now, we do have the modern ACLU, and I suppose I should use that as a reference point because the American Civil Liberties Union actually, at its root, has a really good idea in mind. 
But what they claim to defend versus what they actually defend is what causes the problems with the modern-day ACLU. If you go to aclu.org, you can find their own words. They claim, quote, we are defending the very future of our democracy. Not a democracy. That's not what it is, really, is it? But it's a constitutional republic. And there is a difference. The stated goals of the ACLU are kind of vague, but they give some examples, quoting them, to safeguard voting rights, protect abortion access, and more, end quote. Well, sometimes the ACLU, the modern ACLU, actually does get it right, and we have to give them credit for that, particularly when it comes to free speech, for example. In 2018, the ACLU argued actually on behalf of the NRA's lawsuit, the National Rifle Association's lawsuit against the state of New York, which was violating its right to free speech. And the ACLU stepped in to defend an organization that they actually oppose in a great way. And in 2014, believe it or not, the ACLU, filed an amicus brief, that's a letter in support of someone contending that the police in Michigan violated the First Amendment by removing an anti-Muslim group, as they call it, called Bible Believers from a street festival based on another's violent reaction to that speech. They can't do that because under free speech, Everyone has a right to speak. So sometimes they actually do get it right and they defend the right thing. But sometimes they also get it very wrong. And it's based on a whimsical opinion if they're not appealing to a true standard of right and wrong. And that's where we get confused or we become irrational or we somehow don't get it right, because without an actual true standard, some basic reference point for truth, then we're never, never any one of us will ever get it right completely. We have no choice but to pick and choose if we have no common reference point. And the Bible is and was then that reference point for the colonists. When it comes to abortion, the ACLU actually fails to recognize that the human rights of an unborn child is important and plays a role. And how does the ACLU do that? They simply do it by refusing scientific evidence, refusing to acknowledge the science of human life. When it comes to voting rights, they are advocating strongly for the right to vote, uh, to safeguard the right of every person to vote. And because of that, they are now pushing for a voting system that will allow everybody to vote whichever way they want, but without any safeguards, without any real safeguards. And we have to say that when we fail to defend the right of every person to vote and to have that vote count, then we have failed. And so they have failed in this very way. 
because when one side votes and the other side votes, but the votes are canceled, then the election is stolen. And that is not a free voting system. Now, the Anti-Federalists consisted of the common people who labored on their farms, but also people that were in the shops and people that owned businesses. The Anti-Federalists and the Federalists both had their intellectuals and their wealthy people. They had their poor people and their less influential and more uneducated people. So it was a mixed bag on both sides. And you can't claim that it was the elitists, uh, be it financially or intellectually, who were trying to get one over or pull one over on the other group. But the Anti-Federalist did oppose the ratification of the 1787 U.S. Constitution because they simply felt that there were no individual rights to be had. And their opposition gave rise to the adoption of the First Amendment and the nine other amendments that we now collectively call the Bill of Rights. The Anti-Federalist Papers was a collection of speeches and writings that offered strong opposition to the arguments of the Federalist Papers. They raised many issues actually regarding a possible disguised presidential dictatorship. That was their concern. A federal court also that might overshadow the rights of individual states and even inappropriate power grabs by Congress should the three branches collude together to become all-powerful and overthrow the individual rights of the people. And this is the very thing that we are seeing right now. The greatest issue about adopting the Constitution was an actual lack of wording to defend and protect basic human individual rights. And this actually was their most successful argument against adopting the Constitution. Now, in summary, the viewpoints of the Anti-Federalists were, first of all, they feared the federal government would overpower the states. And they feared that there would be more weight placed on a federal government than on self-government by the states and by individuals. They wanted to guarantee freedom for every individual. The Federalists opposed them, preferring to have a strong centralized form of government to avoid the tyranny of the masses. They wanted to ratify the Constitution without any further changes, and they saw no need whatsoever for a Bill of Rights. Now think about the consequences if they had actually won out. The viewpoints summarized by the Federalists was that they were worried that the states would actually suppress the federal government's powers. Can you imagine that actually taking place? I can't right now in view of what is happening in America, but the Federalists were concerned about the Union actually splitting into multiple confederacies due to self-interest. And the Federalists also insisted 
that the Federation must be strong enough to guarantee equal liberty for all states. And despite this heated debate that went on for several years, the Federalists actually, when they read the anti-Federalist papers, acknowledged that they could understand the viewpoint. They acknowledged there was a concern for one group being more powerful than the other. And finally, James Madison did introduce 12 amendments during the first Congress in 1789. And as a result of that deliberation, that argumentation from both sides and the weighing of the data, the weighing of the facts, of the concerns, of the opinions of the people resulted in 10 of those 12 amendments being ratified in 1791. And that is now known collectively as the Bill of Rights. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights has actually sustained us in our freedom from 1791 all the way through to 2020, almost 230 years. Now, you noticed I left out 2021. Something happened. In 2020, something very big happened, and something definitely changed. Something that we were completely unexpected, unexpecting to happen. But what was the great change? Can anyone actually define it? I mean, right away, everybody's probably thinking, well, it was, it was the pandemic, right, that changed. But wait a minute. Was it a sudden event like a declaration of the pandemic or was it actually a cascade of events? What happened? Well, if we look back in history, and much of it has been exposed in the last year, we do in fact see something that was taking place much to our unaware, something that was planning to destroy the United States of America. America, I suppose, has been the envy of the world because we have enjoyed so much freedom, so much wealth and prosperity, that if I was living in another country, why would I not envy such a nation? But rather than envy, I would desire it and long for it. And we have actually seen that happen throughout the world. By proxy, every nation in the world has actually experienced and tasted of the freedom that Americans have enjoyed for a long time. It doesn't mean that we didn't work hard. It doesn't mean that we were a perfect people. It doesn't mean that we gloated in our arrogance because there was a day when we truly did understand how freedom was a very precious and delicate commodity. It was something that was fought for and much blood was shed to achieve our state of freedom that we've had. No, it was not a sudden cataclysmic event like the pandemic that caused the great change. 
but it is something that we do need to consider and we need to understand. We are now presently living in a time when the Bill of Rights is something that must vanish if America is to be destroyed. And for that very reason, the Bill of Rights is at the front line of the battlefield. If we ignore what is taking place right now in America against our Bill of Rights and against our Constitution, then how will we ever defend what has sustained our freedom? We need to wake up and understand the absolute cost of defending freedom. It is not free. I'd like to take a short break right now. Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, you were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups. We can all do our part. Visit shoptotheright.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit shoptotheright.com and let's all make a difference. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, taking AC11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -E -L -L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Liberty and the pursuit of 2022 is upon us. Happy New Year, my fellow Americans. Eleanor Roosevelt says the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. May you realize your dreams in the new year we trust. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to 
The Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip, your host on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This show, Unity Without Compromise, does air at 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then it goes to podcast. Remember that I also do write weekly articles for America Out Loud, and I am very focused on the extreme importance of us actually being unified as a nation, as patriots, as Christians, as people who love freedom. Unity without compromise is actually the name of the game in the world of freedom and justice for all. And that's just what America Out Loud is all about. Our entire team works so hard to speak the truth and to expose evil and to promote what is good for America. That is good for you. I'm discussing right now a series of shows on how we are going to fight a barrage of wrongs against the Bill of Rights. Today, I've talked a little bit about the history of the Bill of Rights. I just need us to understand that without the Bill of Rights, we probably could not have really defended the Constitution. But because it occurred through much debate and because the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists actually were able to join together and come to an agreement. We were given the Bill of Rights, and those are the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. It's a list of God-given entitlements. A right is something that you are actually entitled to. It is something that is endowed or gifted to everyone, every living human being everywhere, including those residing in the womb of every pregnant mother. Of course, many people today consider a lot of things to be entitlements, right? Like a free education or high wages for menial labor or free medical care and a slew of other concessions that can only exist through someone else's hard work. These are not entitlements, not in reality. These freebies are explicitly not endowed by the creator, and nor are they something that should be at all a responsibility of government. Let's not be confused. By God's design, government should serve the sole purpose, one purpose of protecting those inalienable human rights. And that was the intended guarantee of the Bill of Rights. Well, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalist groups seemed to correlate somewhat with the Republican and Democrat parties of yesterday, not today. Republicans historically have placed a good, strong emphasis on individual rights, and they have contended for a smaller government, for lowering taxes, for allowing people to run their own businesses so that capitalism would prevail because it was a work done by the people. And if you were good at something and produced a good product, it would thrive. 
And if you sloughed off and produced a bad product, well, it wouldn't survive. In other words, the best of man's devices and the best of man's experimentation and creativity would prevail in a system where individuals were allowed to reap the benefits of what they have sown. And that is a very good thing. Can it be abused? Certainly anything can be abused. The Democrats traditionally, on the other hand, have viewed and vied for a, a, a bigger federal government that had more overreach, more power, more influence on the states than the individual states. There was more a focus on the collective whole of U.S. citizens. And as long as you have that branch of political party thriving, they are going to push a collective good, and that is more commonly known as socialism. Does socialism have its merits? Well, the idea or the theory of everybody thriving and being happy and benefiting uh, is, is probably a good thing, but when it comes at the expense of others doing all the work or others thriving because uh, they simply don't wish to work themselves, no, that is not a good thing. The Bible says that if you don't care to work, then starve, if I may paraphrase scripture. If I paraphrase a lot of scripture, we would find that what works um, through integrity and through hard work and through giving back to God the best of your abilities, that is what should thrive. That is what causes a strong nation. What separates the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists from the Democrats and the Republicans, however, is that the former... The Federalists and Anti-Federalists actually did have a common ground. They did honor a godly standard called the Bible. And both sides would not dispute that fact. This fact was actually what gave us America as we have known it. But the Bible seems to have been largely rejected by modern parties, both Democrats and Republicans, although maybe the Republicans tend to align much more closely with the Bible, at least in theory. But party politics has always been our biggest concern in American government. Party politics is the one thing that could theoretically destroy the Constitution and our free republic. And we are seeing just exactly how that can happen right now. It's, we have to realize that simply because we have two uh, opposing forces uh, in America doesn't mean that conflict is not a good thing. It can be good, but it can be good only when conflict and debate are allowed to proceed with mutual respect and with striving for a commonality of selecting what is best for our nation. If we can't come to terms with that, then we have two opposing forces that will inevitably cause division. And we know that a divided house cannot stand. We have to have some degree of unity. 
In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 17, we read that every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against itself will fall. This is an indisputable fact of history. We have seen it time and time and time again, and we are now watching the splitting, the dividing of America, as we have never seen it before. Even going back to the American Civil War, both sides claimed a respect for God and his word. Remember, the issue was slavery, whether or not black people were considered humans. Now, as atrocious as that sounds, that was the case, and yet both sides contended that God was on their side. I suppose you could say it's a pitiful testimony to Christianity, but it is not a pitiful testimony against the scriptures. It is a testimony against people's ability to rightly discern the word of God. There is no doubt that every human being in the world is meaningful and is important as a human being, and each human being has rights given to them by God. It has nothing whatsoever to do with skin color. But things have changed. What separated the Federalists and Anti-Federalists was a concern for doing the right thing and guaranteeing that we respected and honored God's wishes for the individual. When it comes to the Democrats and Republicans, well, what does it matter? If we have no standard, we will not unite. And we know full well that there are many Republicans today who are as wishy-washy as the Democrats. They have no standard whatsoever. And because of that, we are being divided as never before. The Bible seems to have been largely rejected by both modern parties. And when that happens, then we have no ground of solid rock to stand upon. Party politics can and will divide every nation without a standard. And so the Federalist-Anti-Federalist struggle is echoed still in modern politics and debate but in reality, there's very little debate right now going on because of censorship. Some conflict can be very good, and debate is very good when both sides have a hearing and both sides listen to the other side. That is, in fact, how the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were developed and ratified. But it wasn't easy then. And if we were to do the same thing now, in the absence of our standard, it would be an absolutely impossible task. There has to be some common unifying factor if we are to actually have in reality a free country, a free republic. The United States must be united on something, in other words. It might be a desire for peace a desire for protection of individual human rights, 
but it also has to be a desire to serve God. It has to be a desire to do the right, right thing. In other words, the right thing based on the correct standard. Now, do these unifying factors even exist today? I would suggest not. How many Americans hold dear and precious in their hearts the liberty to pursue life and the freedoms that we have enjoyed historically in America? How many people are willing to fight for freedom in America right now? It scares me to think about it. I don't know how many. I know there are some, but I see a whole lot of the opposite. I see a whole lot of cowering and caving under infantile threats. They're not pointing guns at us yet. And yet we are submitting, submitting our freedom, just giving it up because they say we want it. That's the great change that has taken place in America. It is a mindset. It is an attitude that we don't need freedom to be happy. It is the most foolish mindset you could ever imagine. And we'll find that out soon enough if we proceed. But what I see happening in America as a nation is that we no longer embrace the Constitution or the Bill of Rights as the law of the land. We no longer embrace God as the giver of freedom. Human life is no longer sacred as a result of that. That didn't just happen overnight. Since the coup against America has succeeded, at ending a government by the people, by robbing the people of a free election, the greatest unifying force in America has been all but ignored. The laws of liberty given in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights have now been replaced by illegal mandates and forced decrees from elitists and from corrupt government agencies that serve dictators and tyrants. How did we get to this point? The American people have willingly yielded their human rights simply because they were told to do so. I don't understand it. Without any threat of violence whatsoever, we submitted. We gave in. And it is permeating all aspects of society. It has permeated the arm of God for justice. That is the military. How many military men and women have lost their honorable discharge and been given less than honorable because they refuse to take a jab that may kill them. This is how far we've gone. We have submitted without any thought about the consequences of our sheepish submission. And without a fight, the home of the brave suddenly 
has become the home of the blind and the land of the slaves. And it remains to be seen whether or not we will continue down this primrose path to our own demise. But I do believe that we will have the answer by the end of this year, before the end of this year. Now, we still do have a good many American patriots who are willing to fight for our Constitution. The great majority of these willing patriots are silent when it comes to talking about actually taking up arms against a rogue government. They don't want to offend anyone, or perhaps they don't want to reveal themselves who they are. But they are there. They are there as sure as the sun rises each morning. And these are the people who actually understand what is at stake in this present domestic war. What is at stake is a forfeiture of our Bill of Rights and a surrendering of the Constitution to a global system that wishes to use you as a serf, as a peasant, as someone who is merely a means to an end so that the rich get richer and the poor forever get poorer and there's nothing in between. That's where we're headed. Many of the younger generation hasn't even been taught the principles of freedom, the history of America. Remember, how long has this been out, taken out of our schools, out of the education system, and replaced by socialist, communist, and Marxist principles? The younger generation as a whole do not understand why the Constitution was considered the greatest of all man-made documents in the world. And these people certainly have no idea about the importance of the Bill of Rights. And that's a wrong that needs to be righted. Many Americans, young and old, have never even known or perhaps have forgotten the words of Daniel Webster, for example, who once declared, whatever makes a man a good Christian also makes a good citizen. Christianity, and I'm talking about real Christianity, not popcorn Christianity, not the watered-down American version of Christianity, but real Christianity is the sole source of inspiration for the Constitution and for the Bill of Rights and for the standard that America has lived by and been esteemed by the world for standing up for. America was good, and America's goodness, based on God's standard, make America absolutely great. And so if we are going to follow the slogan that was started by President Trump, make America great again, we have to make God great again in our own minds. Yes, we are at the critical point. We are at a point now in history, when we are going to find out what is the fate of the world, and it will happen this year. It will happen this year.
And for that reason, I want to systematically discuss each of the 10 articles of the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, so that every person listening can understand that each article has its own purpose. Each article has its own strengths, but each article also has its own weaknesses or potential weaknesses. And we need to understand that just as well, because if you want to take apart the Constitution and if you want to destroy human rights, then you have to seek out its weak points and attack those weak points. You don't attack the strongest points of the enemy. You attack them where they are weakest. Each article is now being attacked in no uncertain way, though you might not clearly recognize it. And so we need to understand what each article says and what each article purposes so that we can allow it to have its good effect in our individual lives so that we can fight for it. But this does require also an understanding of modern day politics because things have changed on both a national and a global scale. And that's going to affect how we deal with the enemy because only then can we devise an effective countermeasure against the current assault if we ever plan to do anything. Patrick Henry once wrote, the Constitution is not an instrument for government to restrain the people. It is an instrument for the people to restrain the government, lest it come to dominate our lives. Good Americans, we are there. We are there right now. Our government is trying to dominate every aspect of our life. They want our money. They want to know how much money is in your bank account. They want to know who you associate with. They want to know exactly what is your opinion on every pertinent issue. They want to control your health. Or should I say they want to destroy your health? Think about it. Why are they pushing this so-called vaccine? It is not a vaccine. It is not an experiment. This is not an experimental vaccine. This jab, this genetic modifying jab is a bioweapon. It was created for a purpose. And if we fail to understand that, then the American government, as it stands right now, will dominate our lives to the point that every free-living American will become a slave, shackled for the rest of our lives, and that shackle to be shared and passed down to each generation simply because you and I did nothing. The consequences are severe. Very severe. This is precisely what is happening in America today through a neglect of the Bill of Rights being an entitlement to every human being. We have to remember that the Bill of Rights was not written 
as a guarantee that our individual human rights would never go unchallenged. But it was written as a reminder that we have an obligation to ensure that these rights are known to each and every American. It is not enough to just know the Bill of Rights. It's not enough to even understand it, what is being said. But we must know, rather, what we believe and why we believe it. And then beyond that, we have to make it our own. We need to incorporate it into our very souls so that we can actually be diligent to live by the Bill of Rights at all cost. And that is our challenge of 2022. If we are not willing to pay the price to live free, then we have already lost the battle. And there will be no interchange of bullets flying through the air. They will take us without firing a shot. They've already shown how powerfully they can do this. And they are smiling all the way, I think, because they are surprised at how easy it has been. I don't like it one bit. I don't like it as an American. I don't like it as a Christian. I don't like it as a retired Air Force officer. I get this gut-wrenching, sick feeling in my stomach when I think about the career that I devoted to my country to support and defend the Constitution will be all for naught. And I refuse to accept it. There are many of you out there, I know, who feel exactly the same way. It's not enough to just know the Bill of Rights. It's not enough to understand it. We must not only believe it, but we must act upon the Bill of Rights and defend it. And if it costs us our own lives, then I would rather be dead having fought for freedom than be alive and living in slavery. I will not accept slavery as a way of life for you or for me. It's just not in me. I have seen the horrors that result from a disregard for the Bill of Rights across the entire globe. The period of history in which we still breathe will be recorded in posterity for all generations to see. Its outcome is very soon to be determined. And that outcome is fully predicated on each of our actions. So far as we are failing, we will see the enemy rise. There is a coup going on in America. I said that a year ago. I also said that it will escalate. They will further and further attack us. Every time we think we have seen the worst of what the Democrats would dare to do to us, what extremes they would go to to deprive us of our own lives and health and liberty, they do something more. And we are seeing it right now. They are already planning to steal the next election. And don't think that they can't do it and don't think that they don't think they can do it. They are empowered 
they already did it. They have robbed us of, of our free republic. And if we sit by and we watch this scenario unfold, we've seen only the beginning of woes against our nation. Across the globe, a genocide is taking place right now, and that genocide is fully intended for America, and perhaps America most of all, because they must destroy the United States of America in order to push forth the global reset, that great reset where we all become enslaved by a one world order. I stand against it, and I will stand against it. And so next week, I will be discussing in detail the Bill of Rights in a way that maybe you haven't heard before, with full candor, full honesty, because without it, without the Bill of Rights, the Constitution simply will not prevail. This coup that we are in right now must be fought and won. I can't overemphasize that. And if we are not willing to do that, then we have lost. We have no other choice right now, and we'd better get going. We had better start resisting. We had better do more than resist. We need to launch an offensive like we have never done before, at least not since 1776. We need to serve God. And we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we do that, all these things, the concerns about our daily life will be added to us. That's a promise from God. And for that reason, I do intend to please God with my life. And I pray that you will join me. Until next week, adieu.